Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Welcome. Good to have a few minutes together today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bruce Goddard, pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Wildemar, California. I was out um, soul winning today with one of our men, and and uh, we got talking about the early days of our church when I was just starting, and and on Saturday mornings, I'd meet with whoever would meet with me, just the men, and I'd have three or four, sometimes five men would meet me at a little hamburger place that served breakfast, and we'd eat fellowship a little bit, and I'd teach them how to win souls, go through scripture and talk a little bit, and then we'd go do it. We wouldn't just talk about it, we'd go do it, and um, what a blessing to know that um, after all these years, um, some of those men are, and of course, some, I know two of them are in heaven, but uh, this one's still out soul winning, and um, we don't walk as fast, and we sweat a little more, but... Um, it's a great thing. I remember one Saturday morning having the car full of guys and none of them really knew what to say. And so um, I was just driving looking for somebody. And um, I saw a guy going out. There's a, in our area, if you're not from our area, there's a lot of rural, especially back then, there were very few housing tracks. There was a lot of acreage, people on lots, double lots, an acre, half acre, whatever, a lot of fenced yards. And um <clears throat> That's California. When I went to the Midwest, I was shocked how many people didn't fence their yards. It's just cultural, I guess. But this guy was walking out to the street to his fence and these mailboxes right there at the street. He didn't have to leave the, come outside the fence to get to the mailboxes right on the fence. And, and I saw him walking out. So I just pulled the car away. I just told the guys, roll your windows down. And, um, and so I stood there leaning on the fence, the mailbox there. And he stood leaning on the other side of the fence and mailbox between us and and had my New Testament out. And, and uh, in a little while, he had his head bowed, trust in Christ. And uh, just was a, uh, I'm not much. I've never been much. I'm not a spectacular anything. Um, I've not preached much in conferences or anything. I'm not a big conference preacher. Um, but um, I can go do what God says to do as best as I know how. And then it's up to him to do it. And and um, I love what God has allowed me to be a part of. Um, there are things that God has us be a part of that maybe aren't so enjoyable. You know, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. Um, I've, I've gotten to the tribulation part. I've not quite gotten to the be of good cheer part, but uh, this old flesh is weak, but we have a great God. It's a great thing to serve him. I was going to tell, uh, uh, just read a little bit. Uh, if you've been around me much, heard me speak much, um, you know that I, I love our Baptist heritage. I love our background. And um, I've got books and testimonies. And some people, maybe the more famous book is Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's much more a Protestant book. And uh, in many cases, um, people that wouldn't, uh, people in there being persecuted that would have persecuted other Christians. and But... Um, there's a, a book, Martyr's Mirror, and I think it's it's uh, the website. You can see the book. It's a huge book, very expensive. Someone gave me a copy. Brother Joe Esposito gave me a copy right before he had his uh, stroke and whatever all his health problems were, but what a good man, a good friend. But um, it's online. I think it's homecomers.org. 
But um, I, I enjoy reading about people who've got more strength and more faith than me. It challenged me. I'll just read you a quick story. 1605, 24th of April, two brethren, Marcus Elder, a cartwright, so a man who worked on carts, uh, and Hans Polzinger, uh, Polzinger, a tailor, uh, they were apprehended for their faith and for the sake of the divine truth. In Bavaria, they were just traveling through, but they were betrayed. Early in the morning on the 26th of April, they were taken prisoners and remained in confinement uh, for weeks. In the meantime, they, were, uh, they dealt with them in many and various ways, seeking to make them apostatize from the faith. Two Jesuits were also brought to them from the t uh, a nearby town who were to instruct them and teach them their faith, but they continued firmly and steadfastly in the true faith and would not hearken to the voice of strangers. Um, the priests often came to them and wanted to persuade them to their faith, but they, the brethren said, it's a faith of idolatry and fornication, a faith of sin and blasphemy as the fruits testify. Uh, <clears throat> we've gotten so soft and so passive, nobody can even say anything that they believe. The idea of freedom of speech in America is just almost completely gone. It's all what's politically correct and socially acceptable and all that. And these guys had, they, they were in prison and they said of these people, yours is a faith of idolatry and fornication, a faith of sin and blasphemy as, as fruits testify. And of course that didn't make them any more friends. And thus they did in no wise suffer themselves to be moved, but always defended themselves well uh, concerning what God had made known to them. The scriptures were their answers. It's amazing to me how well these people knew their Bibles. Many of them this is off this story, but many of the martyrs wrote to their family members. They had no Bibles, but their letters are filled with scripture. And one of the reasons this era of, of Christians were so strong is they didn't have social media and they didn't have internet and they didn't have TV. They had Bibles and they read them and they memorized them. And their, their letters are just filled with Bible. And that's why you look at our, our, our founders all the way up into the 1800s, the first hundred years of our country, you couldn't read a, a message spoken by political leaders without finding some scripture. And I mean, it was just all through the great leaders. And you go to Washington, D.C. and look around, you'll see it. It's, there's Bible everywhere. These people knew the word of God. And it's a weakness in our society for sure. So in the false doctrine, I'm going back to the, the letter here um, from uh, 1605. And when the false doctrine of the priests could accomplish nothing with them, they gave them over to the executioner to try his skills. And twice he very cruelly tortured them, wanting to know uh, of them who had lodged them and who it was they were going to visit. The brethren wouldn't tell them and said it wasn't necessary for them to know. Now when they could in no wise accomplish their purpose with them, there came after much proceeding an order from the government that they should be executed with the sword and then burnt with fire. When they arrived at the place of execution, Mark, Brother Marcus requested the executioner that he should first execute Hans, which he also did. And when it had been done, Marcus said to the people of whom there were many present, God be praised, my brother has overcome, and I will do likewise. Oh, these, these martyrs, they studied and memorized and planned what they would say. They, these people knew they were going to die. And so they'd, the stories say they sit around the house at night after dinner, even the children planning what they would say if they were to be a martyr. I mean, like young people today dream of catching the, the touchdown pass or making the winning point in the basketball game. These people sat around contemplating what they would say 
on the way to be burned alive. These are incredible Christians. Um, on the 20, this was on the 26th day of the month of August. And in 1605, the executioner had received orders that he should, if he should perceive that either one of them wanted to recant, that he, though the sword were already drawn, he should forbear and not persuade, uh, proceed with it. But his hopes were disappointed. Thus, these two brethren testified to the faith and the divine truth valiantly and steadfastly unto death with their blood. God, who gave them power and strength thereto, be praised and thanked forever. I mean, what a, what a great story, a great testimony. And um, uh, there ought to be something about our faith that, that um, is more precious than life. And we've been so blessed in America, it's hard to have that. I want to read a couple verses. Paul writing to Timothy and in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, that's not a maybe, it's a shall. Um, you live godly long enough, you're going to be persecuted in one way or another for your faith. It's just a reality. Um, Paul wrote much to Timothy about suffering. Obviously, it was on Paul's heart. He suffered a lot. But he also knew that Timothy was a young man taking a stand and a great leader of other pastors. And when you find yourself in a position of leadership, whether it be in your family, mean people, when your relatives start watching your faith and you become a leader, when you are the one leading loved ones to Christ and getting family members in the church saved and baptized, uh, if you're the one maybe leading a great bus route, a Sunday school class, or you're a pastor in the ministry somewhere, and you find yourself being looked at, that draws the attention of the wicked one. And he will search and find a way to, to try and dissuade you. And uh, so Paul wrote to, to Timothy um, in uh, first, Second Timothy 1.12, For the which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, and on and on and on. It was common a little bit later in Second Timothy, Second Timothy 2.9, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even into bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He wasn't evil. He hadn't done anything wrong. But, you know, you get the right, uh, the right uh, lawyers or whatever they called them in those days, the right accusers, they could come up with all kinds of things and um, to make the Apostle Paul look like he was an evildoer. And he suffered much. A little bit later, 2 Timothy 2.12 in the same chapter, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, there's some, there's some clear-cut rewards. That's not, this is not talking about salvation. This reigning is talking about rewards. And what will we do when we live in that heavenly Jerusalem? Um, we're going to be kings and priests, the Bible says. He's made us a, a nation, a kingdom of kings and priests. And, and there's an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom, an earthly Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem. And... Um, there's going to be, remember the parable of be thou ruler over five cities and over 10 cities. And, and uh, there's something eternal going to be going on as a bride of Christ. Um, if you're not ashamed of him and you stand up for him, you're going to be rewarded more. It's just a reality. It's so clear in scripture. And so where I read a minute ago in 2 Timothy 3, 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Um, many, many a good faithful Christian, I mean good people, uh, they're uh, slandered and they're attacked and treated ugly, and they feel so guilty. They 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 let the accusations of uh, slanderous people so overwhelm them 
that they'll quit serving God. And I think the reason we're in trouble is because we're serving God. And so if we quit serving God to get out of the trouble, what we've done is, you know, the, the term cutting our own throats. Um, somebody's ugly to me, that's between them and God. But I've been commanded to serve the Lord. And that is my duty. And I may not be able to... Um, to escape the evil of this world. 50 million martyrs, the numbers say, are, were killed throughout the Dark Ages and the Protestant Reformation. And uh, lots of good people, of just amazingly good people. And most of them, it was because they wouldn't baptize a baby or because they chose to be rebaptized as a believer, as an adult. And uh, or they said that the priest didn't have power to turn a piece of bread into the literal flesh of Jesus. Boy, that'll make a priest mad at you. And uh, these are these. The, 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 it's an evil world that you and I are in. And um, you know, it was uh, it was the law, it was the government that managed to do the arresting and the execution of most of the apostles. And um, it wasn't a crazy mob. A crazy mob picked them up here and there, but it was it was the government. It was the Romans. Uh, it was uh, whoever was in charge. And so let's just relax, trust God, know that he's good, he's faithful. Let's stand unashamed. Um, he said uh, a little bit earlier where I read before um, in, in 2 Timothy 1.12, for the which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know who I believe, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If you've done right and you get uh, slandered by people at work or family or whatever, um, don't, I mean, it hurts. Obviously, it hurts. Nobody likes that kind of treatment. Uh, you're ill-spoken of. You're accused. You're, people lie. People take your words and twist them. You know, the, the Pharisees, they sent people to Jesus to try and catch him in his words. And boy, that is our day, the social media world and and the world, they'll try and find one little thing you said. And you, you see it with these politicians. They'll take something up, conservative senator, congressman, president, or whoever said, and they'll twist it around. And, uh, you know, that's been going on forever. And let's, but let's keep serving God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Uh, let's don't quit serving God because life got ugly. Uh, soldiers don't quit when a loved one in the battlefield gets shot or when some soldier gets wounded. One of the men in our church, he's moved now, but he told a, just a, a tear-jerking story. Um, they were in a pretty difficult situation. A helicopter landed to help him, and um, something hit that helicopter. It blew up. He said he woke up in the lap of uh, somebody trying to take care of him, and something had hit his helmet so hard that it had pushed his helmet into his head, caused brain damage. And uh, so they're cutting his helmet off, and the battle's going around him. And I think this is Afghanistan. And he said, they finally cut my helmet off my head, and that made it feel a little better. He said, and they put me in a corner of an old beat-up, broken-down um, kind of a, an old house and put me in a corner where I could see the, all the entrances, and they gave me a shotgun and a, and a machine gun. I think he said a shotgun, a machine gun, and, a, and a, a satchel of grenades or a bag of grenades, as I remember. And, and they said, take care of yourself. We got work to do. And um, finally they got out. You know, he was terribly wounded. And uh, But you know what? The fight goes on. And uh, some dear people, 
people I love have been wounded over these 40 years of ministry. Uh, but the fight goes on. And I want to encourage you, um, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, put on the whole armor of God that we be able to stand in the evil day. And, of course, we want to live a holy life, but don't expect living a holy life to make you popular, not with the devil's crowd. Uh, you'd be a bartender and be more popular and be criticized less with this world. Um, you, you could be a mess and have the world love you, but you stand up for holiness in Christ and Bible, and, and your boy, people are going to look at every little turn of your life. And, and um, you know, he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You just hang in there. We got a great God. What a God we serve. And one day we're going to see him. And I am looking forward to that. If you've not been able to hear some of the Wednesday Bible studies recently, we had a series on covenants. Then we had a brief series on the tabernacle. And then um, a follow-up series on covenants talking about a little bit about Calvinism, covenant theology, and a little bit about um the, uh, the some of the crazy doctrines creeping into our Baptist church. I want to encourage you, um, if you can, slip in somewhere online. If you can't visit us in person, um, listen to some of those messages online. We we need to keep our doctrine right, to keep our soul winning fresh, to keep our holiness um, passionate, and let's just keep busy for God. Well, you have a great day. Thanks for joining us today, and look forward to being with you again. <music>